it's great to be with you this morning. And um, it's a day that uh, maybe feels slightly odd with the fact that we have now been doing this online for a year. And um, with the blooper video that we've just seen, hopefully I won't be adding any more to that. During this series on hope, we've been hearing stories that are maybe very familiar to some of us, yet our hope and prayer is that God has breathed new life through these words. And today's story that we are looking at is exactly the same. In fact, it's a really short story, which has a real simplicity, but that doesn't mean it is not powerful. And I really encourage you, as Zach has just prayed, that um, you would be asking Holy Spirit to speak to you through these words this morning. We are going to be in Mark 10 this morning, looking at verse 13 to 16, just four short verses, which I'm going to read now, and then I'll pray before we uh, unpack that scripture together. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Heavenly Father, as we come together this morning, as we unpack these verses together, we pray, Holy Spirit, for you to speak to us afresh today. Prompt us, direct us, guide us and connect us. Even though we're not together in Central Hall, we are still together with you. Amen. Let's give some context to this passage that we're looking at today. It comes just after Jesus has actually been speaking on the subject of divorce. And the Pharisees had come to test Jesus by asking questions, creating what some uh, people have described in commentaries as a trap for Jesus. And Jesus is going to Jerusalem following the disciples' recognition of him as a Messiah. And so he is not surprised by these questions and this trap, so to speak. But equally, he does not want to have some of these discussions in the public domain, maybe because, as we know, he sees the bigger picture of it all. And maybe in this moment, he's not actually wanting to draw attention to himself. We know John the Baptist ended up in prison as a result of public displays and confrontation. So what happens is Jesus very skillfully in the part that comes just before the story we're looking at today, he gives an answer, but then he gives a more detailed explanation to his disciples in the privacy of his home afterwards. What's interesting and the reason that I wanted to share where this actually came is because when we look at the passage we are looking at, Jesus does not hold back. This is actually the second time that Jesus has been teaching on his view of little children. In Mark 9, verse 33 to 37, Jesus has already explained to the disciples to welcome little children. And in the space of one trip across the Jordan, the disciples have already forgotten this lesson. And as we heard, in verse in um, chapter 10, they go to start rebuking the families. Now, 
That's the first encouragement to us this morning. The disciples need to hear things over and over again, just like I do. I don't know if you're like me. But in Mark 10, the passage that we are looking at this morning, the explanation goes further. Jesus goes further than he did in Mark 9, because this time he shares bluntly how children are viewed, their importance in the kingdom of God. And his words are countercultural and would have definitely drawn attention. So let's just look a little bit deeper at each of these verses and unpack them together. Verse 13 says, as I've already mentioned, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. What's really interesting here is that the people have a desire for their children to meet with Jesus and receive some blessing from him. Maybe they desire this because they've seen and heard his words, wonders and miracles, or maybe it's because if he is the Messiah, um, they would have been longing for their children to encounter him. And this is a moment of significance, far greater moment of significance than take the scenario of um, a football fan who has a child and then is absolutely desperate for their child to meet their favorite player or go to their first match to have an encounter like that. This is far greater than that. But what is really quite poignant here is that we may not think anything of this, but actually this is out of character. You see, the only other time in the year that children were actually allowed to have this kind of blessing was on the Day of Atonement. In Jewish tradition, children would have been allowed to be brought to the elders and receive prayer and blessing, but on no other day. Because as Michael Green puts it in his commentary, children in ancient society were there to be seen and not heard. They had no rights, no status. They did not matter very much until they actually grew up. So it is a big deal that parents and others are bringing their children to Jesus at this time. It's They are starting to respond to Jesus and not the laws of the land. It reinforces the significance and impact that Jesus has been having on the people. If we move into verse 14, we can see that Jesus has a very different view of children to the one of ancient society. When Jesus saw what was happening when the disciples rebuked people, he was indignant. So he's starting to show anger and annoyance. And he says to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Let me just set the scene for you a little bit. A response like this could be seen as a bit of a mic drop moment or a wow moment when suddenly silence comes across the scene because what Jesus has said in that moment is so countercultural. He is indignant, maybe because he's frustrated with the disciples. Do not listen to me. I told you in Mark 9, that's maybe how I would have responded. But actually, it's because he's wanting to get his point across. If the Pharisees were still around in that moment and had heard Jesus saying what he said, they definitely would have said, what did he just say? This is a significant moment. Jesus's reaction, as I've already said, is countercultural. And these acts are displays of what is coming. 
God's kingdom is breaking in and traditional rules are being quashed. The world is going to be different through Jesus and he is revealing himself as Messiah. And when we look at verse 15, he is very clear. Anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then he goes on to bless them. For you see, Jesus is saying children are the greatest example. They simply trust. They're the kind of people he wants in his kingdom. He welcomes them and blesses them with masses of enthusiasm. And so whilst I was preparing for this morning, I started to think a little bit about what does that phrase little children actually mean? And felt Holy Spirit wanted us to learn some things from little children this morning. Now I'm a mum of two boys, as many of you know, my boys are now seven and three, and so I've been surrounded by little children for a little while, you could say, not just my own friends, toddlers, groups, etc. And I'm not saying that all children are the same, they're not, they are different, but I do think that there are some characteristics that we can learn from them this morning. One characteristic of small children is that they have not yet, when they are little, been influenced by negative patterns of the world. They love others, hopefully because of the experience of love that they have received as small children. They have a deep security and they feel totally comfortable wearing a Batman outfit to do a food shop, putting socks on their hands because those are the best gloves around putting a piece of seaweed down their trousers so they've got a tail for the walk to nursery. Can you tell that these are some of the experiences that I have had as a mum? Or well, one of my most favourites was when our little boy Tobin, who had made a homemade eye patch, said, I have to wear this at the table for dinner, mummy, because that is what pirates do. Why am I sharing this with you? The simple truth is children are who they are. And Jesus is saying to us in this passage, the kingdom of God is a place for you to come, whoever you are, regardless of age, gender, background, ethnicity. And today we celebrate the diversity of our world through World Down Syndrome Day, don't we? Let's be reminded again that he, the Messiah, is for everyone. He's for you. He's for me. And that's why the children flock to him just as they are. It's plain and simple. The kingdom of God is for all. But what about us? What about you this morning? Do you still flock to Jesus? Do you still run to be in his presence like a little child would? Are you desiring to be molded and shaped by him? Are you finding him your place of acceptance and security and hope at such a season as this? You see, Jesus simply says, come whoever you are, because you are loved and accepted. Another thing about most little children, as I briefly mentioned earlier, is they have a total trust and faith in the adults around them and they expect the unexpected. We know from Proverbs 3 verse 5 that we're told, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But if we're honest, as adults, maybe we struggle to do this. But little children are the greatest example of this. Their simplicity and carefree attitude towards an adult. You know, I've noticed such a difference already between my seven-year-old and my three-year-old. 
My seven-year-old who negotiates most things doesn't like the answer that maybe I've given and so questions it. Whereas my three-year-old, when I say dinner's on the table, he just walks there because he trusts that I will have prepared him a meal. When I say to him, hold my hand, we're going to cross the road, he trusts that I will take him to the place that he maybe doesn't even know that we're going safely. Or when he launches himself off of a climbing frame and just expects me to catch him, that's not going to be for much longer because he's getting too heavy. You see, they simply trust. Maybe for you, you've actually been struggling to trust Jesus right now. Maybe because of prayers that are still unanswered or you feel hopeless in an unchanging situation or maybe the experiences of this last year. Brennan Manning talks about trust being a movement into obscurity, into the undefined, into ambiguity, not into some predetermined, clearly delineated plan for the future. You see, it's not always easy once we've grown up and had certain experiences in life, is it? We start to put boundaries up. Maybe we start to think that we're actually not good enough. We've messed up too many times. We're not clean enough, polished enough. Or maybe our childlike faith and trust has gone because our intellect has taken over. In the city that we live, in the church that we are a part of, there is such knowledge and wisdom, arguments and counterarguments to reason and rationalize everything. Yet I firmly believe faith and wisdom do not need to be at longerheads. Surely we can have both. James 1 verse 5 to 6 encourages us to ask for wisdom. But when we ask, we must believe. Maybe a question we all need to ask ourselves today is, do we trust Jesus like a child does? Because Jesus simply says, come however you are and trust me. Little children also have so many questions. Why is my orange orange? Why can't I have ice cream for breakfast? Why can't I have a pet snail in my bed? Why did my cracker break? The list goes on. The other week, some of you will know that Andy and I were meant to have annual leave and we purposefully booked it when the children were back at school. So we could actually read a book, have an uninterrupted conversation, not have to do homeschooling, go on a walk together. And the night before our annual leave was due to start, I had a text message from the school that said, sadly, Jensen now has to self-isolate for 10 days and he has to go back to homeschooling because there has been a case of coronavirus in his class. I tell you that because I was lacking grace and patience during that week. And as I said, my seven-year-old is very inquisitive and has a lot of questions, which I love. But in this moment, when he was on a question marathon, and if you've any spent, if you spent any time with him, you will know he loves to ask a question. I had a moment where I just wanted to drink my cup of tea in peace. I didn't want to have to play Nerf Wars or answer any more questions or jump on the trampoline. And I said, Jensen, can you just stop asking me questions? It's doing my head in. I know, terrible, awful of me to respond in that way. I felt awful. And so I instantly asked for his forgiveness. And you'll be pleased to know he told me that he would think about it. Um, but the reason I share this with you is not only because honesty is the best policy, but it's also because Jesus is the opposite of this on both accounts. Jesus can take 
all of your questions. He will never snap like I did, thank goodness. He's ready and he wants us to come from wherever we are right now today. It may be we don't always get the answers to our questions. It may be that actually, as we ask these questions with Jesus in our communities together, it leads to more questions. But really, if I'm honest, now as I turn 40 next year and I've been a Christian for a long time, I can say that it's always been through my times of questioning and wrestling and not always getting the answers that I want that have actually been my times of greatest growth in my walk with Jesus. And don't forget, we sometimes need to hear things over and over again. Didn't the disciples remind us of that in this passage earlier? Jesus simply says, come wherever you are and tell me your questions. And finally, the fact is children are usually much better and quicker to say sorry. As they learn values, we know from psychological studies that the first five years of a child's life are when they learn so much of their value system, hopefully because as parents and carers and people around them, we are teaching and correcting them and enabling them to learn life lessons. In our house, when one of the boys does something that maybe they're not meant to, they have to sit on a thinking step. And the moment their bottom hits that step, they say, sorry because now they know that that is a way for them to go back to, and they're desperate to just go back to whatever they were doing. But actually, what they need to do is they need to sit there and think. And so as I sit down next to my three-year-old, and I explain why he can't hit his brother with a stick, my explanations always start like this. What is mummy's job, Tobin? Mummy's job is to love you and teach you and keep you safe. And so I'm teaching you right now you can't hit your brother with a stick because he could get hurt. And I'm telling you this because I'm wanting you to learn and I love you. Now, let me just say that is an ideal scenario and it definitely doesn't always go like that, far from it. Let's keep it real for a moment. But the reason I share that is because it's simple. We always hug and my desire is that he hopefully learns once again to not hit his brother, but also maybe goes a little bit longer before doing it again. Jesus is trying to explain to us through these verses how we get to come into the new kingdom and what God's kingdom is going to be like. It's all about love, grace, forgiveness, simple trust. Mark Sayers, a church leader in Australia, recently said, a kingdom strategy is found when we are on our knees. On our knees in prayer, absolutely. But maybe when we think of the picture that has been created in this passage, when the children are flocking and running and sitting at the feet of Jesus on their knees, it's actually about the simple childlike trust, not childish, but childlike. It's about having full dependency on Jesus and faith in him. Because for us today, we continue to sit in the now and not yet space of the fullness of the age to come, don't we? Of the new kingdom. And Tom Wright puts it as this. We as the church are called to be a living example of the age to come. So we need to continue to come to Jesus as we are with our questions, with our uncertainties. However we are feeling, 
seek his forgiveness when we get it wrong receive that forgiveness and to do this together that's why we talk about the value and the importance of community you see the reality is even though we're still not in our church building at the moment the church is not closed we continue to grow in faith together through our communities through our online gatherings even though we know we would love to actually be. I would love to be seeing you face to face this morning. But there are still things that Holy Spirit wants to speak to us about, share with us and help us to learn and understand more. And so whether this is the first time of you joining us online or whether you have been in our church for years, Jesus wants to simply remind you, come whoever you are. Come however you are feeling. Trust me, bring your questions wherever those might be at today. As I said at the beginning, these verses in Mark that we've looked at today are not complicated. They're quite simple. But that doesn't mean that they're easy. And it can sometimes take a lifetime for us to understand these. A pastor in his 80s once said to me, Odell, the older I get, the more I supposedly know, but the less I understand. What he was saying here is, I keep it simple. I come with all of my stuff. I just spend time with Jesus trying to get to know him more and be molded and shaped by him every day. And if you joined us for Central Families online this morning, you will know that we read from the Jesus Storybook Bible, and I love the way Sally Lloyd-Jones writes about this passage in Mark. She says, no matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose your child's heart, full of trust in God. Be like these children. They are the most important in my kingdom. So how do we do this? We keep coming back to him the source of hope. We keep trying to do this together as a family, in community. We welcome people in, we're inclusive. And maybe today it's the start of your journey of faith, or maybe it's a time to reevaluate it and ask yourself the question, do I trust Jesus in a childlike way? Because Jesus wants us to receive the gift and the fullness of who he is. And so what we're gonna do now, as we go into a time of listening to one song of worship, is I would love for you to respond where you are. It still seems and feels odd maybe doing this. I firmly believe Holy Spirit is with you where you are right now. And so if you're able to, and if you would join me, I would love for you to actually simply get down on your knees and to come and be with Jesus. So Holy Spirit, as we posture ourselves on our knees now, we ask for you to speak to us. We ask that we would um, come to you afresh today, to be reminded of the fact that we can put our faith, our hope, our trust in you. And I pray that we would do that. In Jesus' name, amen.